Okay, well, this morning we're going to be looking at the six of eight talks on the Apostles' Creed. And uh, this morning's going to be a talk on I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And uh, so just to remind us about this creed, um, it's going to come up hopefully on the screen in just a second, I'd like you just to stand up and we're just going to remind ourselves of what we have been talking about and you'll see where we are today and what we have for the next couple of weeks afterwards. So let's just say this all out together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask um, Maria, first of all, to come and read three passages from, uh, from Scripture uh, that I'll be referring to uh, during the morning. And while she's actually speaking, I'd like you to just, uh, not just listen, but I want you to ask God to speak to you through the words of Scripture. You know, Scripture is so powerful, and the words that are in Scripture can change your life. They can transform your situation. They may have been written centuries ago, but they're inspired by God. Men were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words for you and me. And sometimes we can listen to Scripture, and it sort of just washes over us. So I want you to be very active this morning, please, and for yourself, as these three short passages are written that I'll be referring to later, that God, the Holy Spirit, speaks something, a word, a phrase, a verse, that just, as it were, clicks with you. It's, you just get that nudge in your spirit. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know what that's going to be for you. And I'm going to listen here as well, because I believe that God is going to speak to me as well through these. So, Maria, uh, can you just read these three passages? Actually, they're coming up. Uh, the, what you're going to see there is from the New International Version. Maria's reading from the English Standard Version. Leave that for you. <laughs> okay, over to you, Maria. So, Ephesians 3, 7 to 13. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Yes. 
Mark 9, 33 to 37. Sorry. <laughs> and then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and, the serv and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst, midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And the third one is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, leave pe live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks ever so much. Okay, at first sight, you might think, well, what have those passages got to do with what we're going to be talking about? But I trust that uh, um, that will be revealed as time goes on. Because I think at the end of today, the, the important thing is how we apply um, what Scripture says and how we're, uh, what we're going to say, rather than the technical details. But I'm going to give a little bit of background. And when David uh, asked me to speak this morning... Um, he very kindly helped me by giving me some notes, um, which I'm always grateful for. And well, once I understood them, uh, I was fine. Um, but David, bless him, uh, actually said something here that uh, resonated so much with me that I didn't feel I could put it any better. And it's a background to uh, what this is all about. So I'm going to quote from him. Um, because it just sets in tone where we are this morning. And this is what he said. The Old Testament is a history of God's dealing with his chosen nation, the people of God. They had a marker, circumcision, which defined you as incorporated into this communion of saints which happened to be a nation, the one which would carry Jesus. After Jesus, this function of the communion of the saints passed on to the church, founded on the apostles, with Jesus as the cornerstone which set the direction for everything else in the building. It became the new temple where the presence of God dwells by his spirit. The New Testament tells the history of the early church and helps us define what we believe and how we are to live in fellowship with one another. We have a new marker now 
not circumcision, but the indwelling Holy Spirit who is also vitally involved in church life. And I found that thought was so helpful um, in just giving a background uh, to this particular truth that we're looking at this morning. So we're going to be looking at three things. First of all, what do we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church? Secondly, what do we mean when we say, I believe in the communion of saints? And thirdly, what should be our response to these truths? So first of all, what do we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church? Essentially, we mean that the Christian church is universal. And uh, again, when I was given this subject to talk about, I said, well, thank you, David. It's <laughs> uh, very kind of you to give me this subject. But uh, uh, the word Catholic came up, of course. And um, the next Sunday, Dom explained to us what it meant. So uh, simply, it means universal. It means that the church is universal. And it's, uh, it's that it is not for one particular nation like it would have been for Israel in the past, as we've been reading, but it belongs to all nations of the world. So what are we saying when we say that we believe in a, a holy Catholic or a universal church? Uh, these are some things here that uh, are put down. We believe in a holy church and one which is universal, that is to say, one which is worldwide in its reach. We've already heard this morning uh, about David being in Russia and uh, the opportunity to go there in July. It's a church for every race, nation and culture. There is no nation, no culture that is excluded. There is no one who cannot belong to it. It is not just for one small select group of people. It is for everyone. It is not just for a privileged few in a particular part or corner of the globe or area, era of history. It is for all people in all places at all times. It is for the educated and the uneducated. It is for those who are learned and unlearned. It is for the rich person and the poor. It is for the asylum seeker and the migrant. It is for the young and the old. It is for the American, the African, the Asian, the Russian, the European. It is for every nation alike. The Church of Christ encompasses and embraces every part of the human family. And so really, just to summarise, it refers, we're talking about referring to the wholeness of the whole church in all times and places rather than any specific branch of Christianity. And uh, if you've been with us any length of time, you'll know that one of the aims of our church is, where is it? Here we are, is that we are international. And we say that we want to be a church that reaches the nations with the gospel, both in multicultural Britain and world around the world. So there we are. We need to be just reminded of that. And we were reminded this morning about David and we prayed for him in Russia. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we had an international Sunday when people uh, dressed up in their national costume. And I was fortunate enough to be out or welcoming people that morning. And it was absolutely glorious, amazing seeing the colours and the diversity when people walking up the uh, 
the driveway outside the building into here. It was actually a pleasure to be. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on Welcome, but on that particular Sunday, um, the colours and everything just uh, were great. And so we, we welcome, we, we celebrate the international flavour of, of, uh, of, of who we are. We, we come from many different nations. The flags here represent uh, countries that we have come from. And on this side, we have the flags of nations that we go to. I think I've got that right. And this morning, I put three new, we had three new poles uh, that we, we put flags on. So uh, this, is, this is just a small number of nations that we are involved in. And uh, yet, so when we're talking about the Holy Catholic Church, we're talking about a church that is universal in its nature, in its structure, and it's us. It's you and it's me. If you come from a different country from the UK, you are included. And if we were living abroad, we would be included in their culture as well. So, uh, we are seeking to be an international church. And so we come on to the actual word church now. What do we mean by church? And for many, we will know that. It's the, the actual uh, Greek word uh, for church uh, comes from two Greek words meaning an assembly or called out ones. And on Friday evening, if we're at the prayer time, uh, Robin very profoundly explained what the original word, ecclesia, I'm not quite sure how we put that, is it? Okay. <laughs> My pronunciation of Greek is, no, is nil. Um, yeah, but uh, he explained to us how in ancient uh, Athens, how that term and what it meant, and in Christian culture, this is how we've come to understand it, an assembly of called out ones, people who are called saints. It means that the New Testament church is a body of believers who have been called out from the world by God to live as his people under the authority of Jesus Christ. So what does the Bible say about the church? Well, it says many things. We've heard one this morning in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, where it says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known and that word manifold is, uh, can have the, the meaning of being multicolored, uh, many faceted. Uh, uh, so there's going to be many different ways of expression of the church. And it says that the intent was that now, uh, in the New Testament era, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, we, have, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's an amazing thing, that is. So we, we, are, we are part of this. Another, in Ephesians 1, 22, 23, it says that God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Why? For the benefit of the church. That's you and me. And the, the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Let me read that again. We are his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills 
all things everywhere with himself. This picture of a body is very good. It's very helpful. We are the body of Christ. And uh, we'll come on to the application in a minute and, and, and the relevance of this. But uh, it is such a helpful picture. So that's just a little bit about what the, church, what the Bible says about the church. And God has plans for the church, again, for the building up of believers in their faith, for nurturing, for discipling, for inc- encouraging a centre of excellence for all these things. These are all things that we would seek to do, that the leaders uh, in the church here would seek to take care of us. They would seek to nurture us in our faith, to disciple us, to encourage us, to help us uh, to be the type of people that God wants us to be. It's a place where we can experience healing in many different ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, It's a safe place to receive prayer for healing. It's an example to the world of Christian living. Our lives will reflect what what, uh, a Christian life should be like. It's also a base for mission to the ends of the earth. And the church is not just God's second best. It's not something he came up with just to think, well, nothing else has worked this Uh, this might work. No, this was always in the heart of God to be a glorious international bride of Christ. In in Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27, uh, Paul explains this. He says that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What an extraordinary thing that is, the mix of how marriage is considered with with Christ and the church. We are the bride of Christ. I am challenged by these words personally when it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I cannot quite get my head around this, that how Christ must have loved the church so much. So what do we mean, having looked a little bit about the background, about the Holy Catholic Church, uh, the communion of saints we're going to come on to? And again, this comes on to another Greek word, koinonia, which again, I'm not quite sure if I've got it right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and it, has this, it has a number of senses. The sense of joint participation, of fellowship, unity that should exist within the Christian church, the body of Christ. It's a communion of saints referring to the believers in the past, in the present, and in the future. And we have this common <coughs> salvation that Jesus is our saviour. And it is what each one of us has in common with each other believers. As we have shared the the communion this morning. So what should our attitude be to this phrase in the the Apostles' Creed? What should be our attitude to other Christians here in the church, our family of churches that we're part of, other ministries and other Christian churches, given that there are so many different Christian missions and churches around. 
And this is where the word holy comes in, in this. <laughs> and we're going to look at Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. And there are 18 things that you and I can do. And we're not going to, not going to talk about uh, them all together, uh, but I'm going to highlight one or two um, that we can that perhaps need attention. But I want you to, to as we go through these, uh, the, the, this list that Paul has written in Romans chapter 12, that for yourself, you will apply one of, I'm going to, one of these, at least, to your own life. Say, yes, I can do something there. I can make that part of my life this week. Um, I need to change my attitude in that. It is so practical. It is so down to earth. I don't actually need to do the application because it's, it's there in Scripture. I love it. <laughs> Makes my job so much easier in talking this morning. But uh, I just want to just share something, a per something very personal that uh, our, our learning curve as a couple um, on, um, on, on this, uh, about how we should respond to other churches, other missions, um, affected us. And uh, I'm not particularly proud of, in fact, I'm not proud at all of this, but God uses situations to change our hearts and this may not ring any bells with you at all. It might do, it might not do. But when we were in Cyprus, I went out, we went out, felt God had called us uh, to be uh, a part of the church to help um, out there. And um, we had been so blessed by being within the New Frontiers family of churches and uh, the values that we, uh, that we seek to work towards and that we value so highly, they just, you know, I just loved it all. And I thought we had it all, and I thought everybody else ought to know as well and be like us. Um, I'm being just honest, really, because uh, I couldn't understand why others couldn't see. They might go to other churches, but I thought, well, surely they can see that, or surely they can see the benefit of that. So that's where I was. And then we got out there, and I realised um, that besides being a different culture, a different language, uh, that there were also um, Christians who were there for different reasons. And it's not a country where there's lots and lots of evangelical Protestant churches. I think in the Cyprus Evangelical Alliance, if my memory serves me rightly, there were only about 20 or 22 churches on the whole island that belonged to this, and we were all part of it. And, of course, they all worshipped in different ways, and I met with the leaders of, different of, different, um, of these different churches, and I struggled in my spirit sometimes. But God was speaking to me because he made me appreciate that we needed to work with these people and not against them. And that was a big learning curve for me, that we can work, for example, our with our young people, we didn't have many. The churches weren't big numerically, but together, actually, we, were, uh, we did have quite a lot. And so in the town where we were, we actually worked out um, a constitution of like a safeguarding um, guidelines um, to embrace what we believed in general terms, what we could believe in together rather than what we didn't believe in. <laughs> or couldn't agree with, and it worked well. And so these young people came every Friday evening uh, to one of the church buildings, and it, and it was so much better for us. I'm not saying that 
will happen here, but for, for us out there, it was great. And then I had to learn also, um, I thought, uh, I need to do something. I need to change my attitude, my heart. So um, the opportunity came to meet up with other leaders in the town, other church leaders, about five or six of us. And um, we started praying on a Monday evening. And um, there was no time scale. And I thought, oh, surely the, you know, surely the, our prayer time should be half an hour or an hour. But it just seemed to go on and on and on. And um, yet I learned to appreciate, because I was the only English guy there. There were people from different nations. And uh, I learned to appreciate these people. I heard them speaking and praying in their own language. And I may not have understood what they were saying, but I picked their heart up that they wanted uh, to see God move on the island and see God intervene and bring peace. And uh, so I used to go every, every Monday evening and I still look back on that time as being the turning point of my, uh, in, my, uh, in my heart really to appreciate others and to see that actually we're working together. There were a lot of mission base, ba a lot of missionary societies that were based in Cyprus because geographically it is so near the Middle East. Um, and so again, we, we had people again who were actually passionate about God. And in fact, sometimes more so than what I thought I was. So I was able to pick up from them and learn from them. Uh, so that, that, that's, uh, when we're talking about the communion of saints, when we're talking about a universal church, we just need to be aware that there are many different expressions. There's a diversity. And uh, we can, um, uh, it, it just does something for my own heart. And actually, uh, Jane then met up with the ladies, the wives of the leaders as well. Um, and again, they were able to share together because there was a, they were in a minority and so being able to share, talk, share issues that were relevant in the churches was very helpful. Um, I had to learn not to judge others because they went to a different church or belonged to a different mission group. Um, you see, in that passage that Maria read from Mark chapter 9, we discover that the disciples are arguing amongst themselves. And so... Who should be the greatest? Um, arguments and divisions in the church are not new. It started even while Jesus was still alive. And he has to speak very strongly to the disciples. And um, he speaks to them about the characteristics of a life of holiness and how we should aim to live by these characteristics for, um, so that we can influence and be those who reach out to others who don't know him. So here we go, 18 ways of doing this. Number one, love must be sincere. Yeah, we're just going to touch on this one. Again, in this passage, uh, in the next verses after Maria had read, it says, um, well, I think it's actually in what she did read, he took a child amongst them and he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. We love and welcome everybody here and uh, even those who are unable to do anything. You know, we should not just welcome people who are good at doing things. We embrace everyone, even if they are unable to do anything. They are just as precious, if so more so precious. 
in doing so, we're loving and welcoming people. Number two, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Number three, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Again, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, there's an incredible verse, and it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is a verse that seems to keep coming back to me. Why are we... uh, Why do we submit to one another? Because we've been told to by our leaders? No. We do it because out of reverence to Christ. He's the one to whom we owe everything. Our motivation is to do it for Jesus Christ. Our motivation uh, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love is this, that we do it out of reverence for Christ. It can be a challenge sometimes, and yet that is the way that we are encouraged Number four, honour one another above yourselves. Number five, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. I think it's great on one Sunday mornings, particularly when we gather together. Don't uh, take these times for granted. When people get up at the microphone and speak, when the worship team are leading us in worship, it's, uh, it's a time for us to renew that zeal, that passion, because we're worshipping Jesus And when we worship Jesus, he comes to us afresh, serving the Lord. Uh, Number six, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Just a quick thought on these ones. You know, one of the things that I think, how can we identify with our universal church around the world, with Christians who we have never met, we may never, we probably will never met in this lifetime, how do we uh, how do we cope you know how do we how can we be involved how can we you know how can we sort of identify with what they who they are well one way is for praying for them being faithful in prayer back in the information table at the back on the left hand side there's lots of information about different uh, nations and uh, christians who are in uh, persecuted countries, pe- people who don't have the opportunity like we do to be like this today. And also, if you look in uh, John 17, Jesus says these words. He prays for believers that they will be united. My prayer is that those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may, also, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so our unity together can be also with others who we've never actually met as we pray for them. As we read their stories in magazines or prayer diaries, it's a way of identifying because God hears the prayers uh, of his people. Um, Take the opportunity in July, if you can, of going with David, I hope I'm right in saying this, to to Russia. Or talk to some of the people in the church here (coughs) who are involved in Spain, in Mexico, in Russia, South Africa, China, the Ukraine. These are all nations that are perhaps more close to home that we can identify with. If you feel it's difficult to identify with people in other nations, talk to people um, who have been to these nations. Say, what's it like out there? Uh, can I pray for you? Can I pray for them? Um, just, it's just little ways that we can identify with our brothers and sisters around the world. Number seven, share with God's people who are in need. Number eight, practice hospitality. Number nine, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Uh, 
I'm not sure how I would respond to that if I was persecuted. I'll be honest here. I think I would try and justify my position well, you know. But no, this is what Jesus says. Um, what Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Uh, the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. Just, just to say here, if again, you will know this illustration, but if, if you are in some sort of pain, the rest of your body knows about it. And uh, that's, that's how it should be in, 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 in the church. Um, when one person is mourning, when one person is suffering, uh, others come around. It happens. It's amazing. I'm just overwhelmed by uh, little things I hear and uh, see around. How you, you folk just, you know, you, you embrace others who are in need. And that's, uh, that's great. We are part of that body. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. So when we, we hear good news, we rejoice. I think it's such a wise comment that. Uh, number 11, live in harmony with one another. Um, in that Mark passage uh, that we read earlier, Jesus tells his disciples not to dismiss or ju judge others who are, uh, uh, who, who are doing things in Jesus' name. Just after that passage that Maria read, um, it talks about how, uh, in fact, I'll just read it to you. Sorry, I'll just uh, quickly go here. A teacher said, John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. And so, again, we need to be careful um, that we do not judge or dismiss others. Um, it's a mistake to dismiss other Christians, other organisations, just simply because they are not one of us. Big thing. How can I watch? I have to watch that in my spirit. Number 12, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Jesus tells them not to compete with number one, to be number one. Uh, again, there's this temptation to compare with envy and rivalry are great dangers. If you've got to compete, then compete to be the, low, the least. Jesus says, Anyone who wants to be first, they must be the very last and the servant of all. Are you someone who's more concerned with just having a position in the church, a platform to speak to your own agenda, a title or an honour of recognition? C.S. Lewis, the great Christian academic of the last century, said this, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. And uh, number 13, do not be conceited. And uh, in this one, I've, I've just put uh, being arrogant, jealous, or proud. And I think when I was thinking about this week, I realized uh, that actually in my own heart, I'd been jealous of other churches' successes, other church successes in Cyprus. And um, I perhaps wouldn't have put it in that term. Perhaps I couldn't identify it properly. Uh, but it just came home to me this week. Um, we're maybe we become jealous because churches are bigger or, or apparently doing better than us. There's, um, there's, that's the sort of spirit. Uh, someone has said this, that jealousy comes from comparing ourselves with others and thinking that we are less well off. Pride comes from thinking too much of ourselves compared with others and thinking we are better. Number 14, do not repay evil with evil. Number 15, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Number 16, live at peace with everyone. 
Jesus told his disciples in that Mark passage not to argue. He longed for his disciples to get on together with one another and stop arguing and to be at peace with each other. He later prayed that they would be one, as we've just read. What unites us is infinitely more important than what divides, infighting and distracts and destroys. You see, that's what Satan wants. He wants to divide. He wants to uh, destroy what God is building up. You see, the church is such a beautiful thing. We're part of the bride of Christ, the bride, a beautiful expression. That is what God wants. Number 17, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. So often I just want to hate revenge when I hear something, get angry about something. It's a great word. Leave room for God's wrath. It only eats inside you. It'll eat inside you and it'll eat inside you. Number 18, do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Just want to finish by, uh, if I can find it here, where are we? Our culture. Just going to step over here. This would be, when we're talking about the communion of saints, these are good guidelines. These are good aims. Our culture. We would seek to... Uh, we would seek to live honestly before God and each other. This is how we can work out being a communion of saints. We can serve others with our time, resources and gifts. We will always be ready to take steps of faith. We will always seek to acknowledge and encourage others in their gifts. Don't be uh, jealous of somebody else's gift and just wish you had that yourself. Give thanks to them and acknowledge that. Number the acceptance. We will be open to receive anyone, whatever their background or history. What a word that is for us today in our society. Be willing to receive anyone, whatever their background or history. And not the last one, forgiveness. We will always be ready to reset relationships by our forgiveness to others. You see, Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Wonderful thing. How can we judge others? How can I judge somebody else? I do, but I can't really. And it brings us to that point. We have this expression in England, if you're from another country, you won't, may not have heard this expression, but we talk about being on the same level playing field. In other words, everyone is um, on the pitch together. There's no differential, no, no difference. Uh, you see, that's where we are. We're all on the same level playing field with, with God in our condition. We were dead in Christ. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. That, that was our state. But they were, the, that was it. But God in his mercy and his grace has shown us his grace and his love. I want to pray and then I want to uh, just ask the band to come back and to, for us to sing a song that might seem a little bit uh, unusual but I think the last verse particularly has got a lot of application. So let's just pray for one moment. Lord, help me through the power of your Holy Spirit to live a holy life 
and to develop the characteristics of humility, love, tolerance, discipline, peace, and faithfulness. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that one day at your return, the church will be transformed again as the people of God into the bride of Christ, and the wedding feast of the Lamb will inaugurate the triumphant eternal age to come. Help us to play our part now. Help us to submit to one another out of respect for you, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. We're going to sing this song, which is known as the Servant King. And uh, again, it just focuses our eyes on Jesus and our response, particularly in the last verse.